Hello and welcome to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson bringing to you this week something special. It is an interview, originally in Portuguese, with an independent researcher and investigator named Michele Prado. Michele Prado is an independent researcher and journalist of the far right in Brazil. Her books, uh, the titles translated into English, are Ideological Storm and Red Pill, Radicalization and Extremism. My interview was originally in Portuguese, and I have to thank Emilia Aretania uh, for translating and re-recording Michele's audio in English so that you, uh, English language or uh, just English-knowing speakers, uh, can enjoy this interview today. So, here is the interview translated into English. Hi, Craig. It's a huge pleasure talking to you. We've been trying to schedule this conversation for ages and always postponed. Now the time has arrived. To start out, Michele, uh, can you give us a quick explanation of how we got here uh, with Jair Bolsonaro as the president of Brazil and Lula running for president again against him? Okay. In the thesis of my book, Tempestade Ideologica, I tell this, the story of this new right in Brazil. It already started appearing in 2002, beginning of the 2000s. In 2003, 2004, it gained strength with the appearance of social media. These gatherings were happening in Orkut in the early 2000s. People that didn't like PT's government, the Workers' Party from the then-President Lula, started to gather in online communities. At that time, there already existed a community from one of the main radical antagonizers we had here in Brazil from the right, Olavo de Carvalho, a traditionalist, a perennialist, a sort of traditionalist spiritualism who later on converted to being Catholic. De Carvalho created an online philosophy course, a YouTube program called True Outspeak, and since then he has been able to influence more people. And these digital bubbles and echo chambers of Brazilians' new right started appearing. This is like 15, 16 years ago. I kept up with the entire process from within the bubbles. I was part of the public from these new influencers, most of them connected to Olavo de Carvalho, former students. Olavo de Carvalho passed away last year. No, sorry, he passed away in the beginning of this year. And that started a polarizing process between right versus left, and also the process of radicalization of the right that will give origin to Bolsonarismo. Since 2013-2014, we have the Bolsonarismo proper, 2014 to be more exact. The Bolsonarismo we talk about here in Brazil comes with cult-like elements, like a cult around Bolsonaro's mythic image, but it also appeared in this new online space for the new right, connected initially to Olavo de Carvalho. Everything was in the online world until his election in, for president in 2018. And in this time, between 2014, 2018, and until today, actually, big part of the radicalization was mostly from the alt-right, mostly the American alt-right. All these influencers in the US, Ben Shapiro, Jack Posobiec, I don't know how to pronounce her name. <laughs> there are many. Uh, there is the Canadian Stephen Moulinot, and there is Milo, who is British, Paul Joseph Watson, Tucker Carlson from Fox News, which were very disseminated in these echo chambers of the Brazilian extreme right. The Brazilian right that radicalized and became extreme right. In the book, I show this entire process, how we were influenced here and how the radicalization process occurred really online first. 
then arrived in society. And today we have an established right-wing society in Brazil, way bigger than a lot of people thought. Today, we had the first round of the election. Bolsonaro managed a number way higher than the poll suggested, more than 12% above what, above what was expected, which is what I predicted. I've been alerting for years that we have an extreme right here in Brazil, which is very radical, and the radicalization process is still ongoing and on a large scale. They utilize different social media, and the internet itself helps it along. They have an alternative influence network, which is gigantic, with more than 300 influencers with more than 50,000 followers each. They can really guide public debate in an effective way. We Democrats have not found an effective way against this radicalization and the extreme right. Now we're going to have the second round of elections, which is going to be very complicated. The former President Lula, who I would actually voted for and will vote for, is shifting towards the center and managed to get new supporters, including members of the center-right. But we still have a challenge because of Bolsonarismo's strength, and it's bigger than most people think. This radicalization process is still ongoing. The result of the election is very unpredictable, and I'm very apprehensive. Even though the poll suggests, suggests Lula is going to win with more than 52 points in the polls. But I'm very apprehensive. And it's only in the 30th that I will relax, in a way, with Luis Inácio Lula's victory. I never voted for him before. My first time was in the first round, and it was the first time that I voted for PT, and I will do it again now. We have something very important now and very tragic. In the National Congress, the elected congresspersons were, in this election, 2022, mostly right-wing extremists. The ones who used to be bolsonaristas and stopped being radicalized were not re-elected. In other words, the center-right was destroyed in Brazil. In the Senate, we also see the election of a lot of right-wing extremists. So we have even more complicated picture. Bolsonaro copies Trump's methods and Orbán's from Hungary. He has reform proposals for the judiciary, very similar to the ones that occurred in Poland, for example, with an increase in the number of judges in the Supreme Court, so he can exert domain over the Supreme Court. I think that's the word. And there's the Christian nationalism that is very similar to what occurs in the U.S. with Orban in Hungary. There is a lot of, of that element here in Brazil. So him not being reelected is fundamental, a priority, urgent. We need to avoid his reelection because otherwise we're going to ha head towards the an autocratic process here in Brazil, without a doubt. Do you have any predictions for the coming weeks and months of Brazilian politics? Yes, I have. This radical, violent extremist that is ideologically motivated is not something that Brazil is used to or has any history with. It's something really new for us here in Brazil, even though we are a country with high rates of violence. This particular brand of violence, the political violence, the political violent extremist ideologically motivated, was not something characteristic from Brazil. In Tempestade Ideológica that was released last year, I warned that we were going to have these cases. This year we had killings of supporters of Lula, killed by Bolsonaro supporters assassinated. We, ha we are having a start of a tendency for mass shootings, school killings. Here in my state, I live in Bahia, I'm Baiana. Here in the state of Bahia last month, 
We had two attacks in two consecutive days committed, committed by teenagers, 13 and 14 years old. Both were radicalized by the extreme right. One of them actually left a manifesto. I found his online profile and sent it to the police of Bahia. I found a manifesto also. I'm also in contact with the Office of Public Defense to work on it. So we have this violent extremist already happening in Brazil. The radicalization, primarily online, continues very strongly. There are no plans to address the radicalization here. And I'm one of the few people that is insisting on the theme here in Brazil. And we have President Bolsonaro all the time mobilizing his base, the population, to put election results into doubt. Just like Trump did with his conspiratory fraud theory over two years ago. Bolsonaro repeats frequently that he will not accept the results, threatens a coup many times. So until the transfer of office, well, I hope he loses the election. Until then... We are going to have troubled times here in Brazil. There will probably have attacks and more political violence. There might also be a chance of something more serious happening during the transfer of office, in the manner of the invasion of the capital in the U.S. in January 6th of 2021. Because there was never something like this in Brazil, historically speaking. When we look backwards, even during the dictatorship period, when the coup happened in 1964, there was not this amount of radicalization happening in society like we have now. And we are dealing with a strong radicalization process of the right, taking people to the extreme right. Even Catholic masses are being interrupted during the liturgy by Bolsonaro supporters because these people start believing in conspiracy theories like globalism and the New World Order. When the priests say something, they, they say that the priest is a communist from the left and start attacking the clergy. This never happened before in Brazil. This is new to us. In this country, a lot of the, we have a lot of Catholics, but we have a lot of religious synchronism. Here in Bahia, where I live, religious syncretism is very present. Maybe because of that, Bahia rejects the extreme right. We reject it in the ballot boxes, we reject it in daily life, in society. Here in Bahia, we have much ethnic and cultural diversity. We have a lot of issues ahead to be able to recover these people to the democratic field. During the elections, emotions run high for sure. Then we will have the transfer of office that will be extremely complicated and four years with a Congress filled with right-wing extremists. So it's a difficult situation because the country is the biggest country in Latin America. It already become an example for other extreme right leaders around the world. I maintained a connection that, that the far right is really transnational. This is also something I comment in Tepestaje Ideologica, my book. Victor Orban, the PM of Hungary, announced his support for Bolsonaro, Bukele, the president of El Salvador, André Viventura of Chega, Portugal's extreme right-wing party, and Santiago Bascal from Spain, extreme right-wing party, Vox party. So even Trump also recorded a video in support. It's a wave, a rise of transnational far right. It is no exaggeration to compare this to what happened in the beginning of the 20th century. It's very similar. It's very, very similar. It is also very similar in terms of thinkers that they are reutilizing. The anti-liberal thinkers, fascists, right? Evola, and there are many others. Uh, Carl Schmitt, Spengler, the whole idea of the decline of the West. We have coming very strongly and going through barriers. He influences in the US, in Brazil the thinkers of the Nouvelle Droite in France, 
They are being reutilized and introduced into public debate. Also are being normalized in the public debate. Here we aren't yet in the same level of radicalization that the U.S. is. But we are on our way to it. Maybe because here in Brazil we had many years of slavery. Many, many centuries. Even with mistakes that were not atoned, it, was a, it has already been more than one century without slavery and without official segregation, let's put it that way, without institutional segregation. In the case of the U.S., segregation went until yesterday, more or less. If we think in, in historical terms, terms, it was yesterday. If my mother or father were American, my dad would have been spent his childhood segregated and my mother also. Maybe the, the difference is here. But even with that, cases of anti-Semitism have grown. The defense of neo-Nazism is huge. It grew more than two, 250%. The cases of racism grew exponentially. So we have a future outlook that is very unpleasant. A dark outlook, I would say. This is why we, anti-fascists, this connection we are created is so important. You from the U.S. and me from Brazil. Recently, two weeks ago, Joey Mulhall from Hope Not Hate from the U.K. was in Brazil. Covering here, made articles covering here. So we need to unite a transnational way because this extreme right is really connected, can mobilize itself. Otherwise, they're kind of unstoppable. That's what they do. Lastly, before you go, do you have any lessons for those listeners outside of Brazil uh, that you think people can take from what's happening in your country? So one thing that any researcher of the far right or anti-fascist activists need to have in mind, that this is the transnational movement. This ascension of the far right is transnational, is so strong, so transnational, that other countries adapt their rulings with the same conspiracy theories. They only adapt for the local context. For example, here in Brazil, we have the same range of conspiracy, conspiracy theories that mobilizes Trump supporters. We have the Arabia theory, the New World Order theory, globalism theory of cultural Marxism, of the Great Replacement. They carry on adapting. These influencers, these agents of the far right are in the public debate. Here in Brazil, they are even in traditional news broadcasters. They adapt to suit the context. Us knowing that they just adapt and most of it, their theoretical scope is the same in most countries, helps us think of ways to give people tools for the citizens to create resistance and resilience when faced by extreme content or how to combat it. That is, this communication we are having today is so important. The government itself, government agencies need to be interested. An involvement from civil society with this task, this subject is really needed. Community leaders, religious leaders, sports people, we all need to work together to unradicalize and or to bring back these people to the democratic side and avoid something even worse than what is happening and mainly to protect democracy. Their intention is surely to disrupt the template of liberal democracy. It's a lot of work to do. We need to study a lot, even though it's hard. I know it's hard. <laughs> the study of the subject. We need to persevere. We need to go on because otherwise they will take over everything. So I think this is it, Craig. That's what we have to do. Thank you so very much for joining us. 
I th- I thank you for inviting me. Hugs for for everyone in the U.S. and welcome to Brazil to anyone who wants to visit. We will receive you with open arms. All right, that was 15 minutes of fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. And again, thanking Emilia Aratania for translating and then re-recording Michelle's audio in English so that English language users can listen to this interview. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review on whatever it is you listen to this on. Check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash 15 minutes of fascism. That's 15 minutes of fascism, all one word. You can also reach me on Gmail at 15 minutes of fascism at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at hist of the right. That's H-I-S-T of the right and fascism 15. All right. Thanks very much. And I'll talk to you later.